today and, and uh, act upon it with the, our will to follow the teaching of God's word. Uh, I think there's a real need for us to look at God's word as preachers and teach what the Bible says. So many times we're hearing illustrations and stories. And uh, it's good to illustrate and it's good to have stories. But the heart of the message needs to be what God has said. Can you say amen to that? Luke chapter 8, turn with me. We're going to look at chapter 8, verses 1 to 15 today. And we're going to talk about the soil, the sower, and the seed. Uh, sometimes when you, you look at a when you look at a teaching by the Lord Jesus, you, you need to ask yourself sometimes, why did he teach that? What's his purpose behind him? And think through the purpose. What's he trying to say? What's he want us to get? What's he want us to learn? And so we'll, we want to make sure that you do that with the teaching of the seed, the sower, and the soils. It's a great, great lesson. Look at it, verse 1, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went out seven devils, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, many others, which ministered unto him in their substance, of their substance. Now, by the way, these, these people here were probably people of wealth, probably people of wealth, because it says they shared uh, with him their substance. Maybe not, doesn't have to be that way, but there's probably a lot of, of backing that Jesus has. Verse 4, and when much people were gathered together and were come to him, out of every city he spake by a parable. Now it's the, par the parable, verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowl of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up, bare fruit and hundredfold. And uh, when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. There's a need for us to understand what he's teaching here. I believe that could be translated that way. There's a need for you to understand what I'm saying here. Verse 9, and the disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now, Verse 10, if you want to write a note there, put the word accountability. Accountability. God is holding all of us accountable 
and we will stand before God in judgment one day and give an account is our understanding of the end times. And so as you look at verse 10, you, you think about that hearing they might not hear and seeing they might not see. He's talking about accountability, and that's just a way to say that. Then he explains the parable in verse 11, and he said, Now the parable is this, the seed, what is the seed? It's the word of God. Verse 12, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So these people are not even saved. Then verse 13, They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time temptation fall away. Time of temptation fall away. Verse 14, They that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, goeth forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground, verse 15, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, bring forth fruit with patience. Now this parable that Jesus is using here, a parable is a story laid down beside a truth that the teacher wants to teach with a metaphorical story. And so that's what this parable is all about. Beginning in the first part of the chapter, the disciples are there with him as he goes from village and city to city, and he's preaching. And uh, it was a time of excitement. There's three women mentioned here in the text, and which is often true that God includes uh, a mention of the women just to let us know that it's men and women. There is no difference in Christ, male nor female, no racial inequalities are difference. We're all on the same plane. The, 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 the ground is level at Calvary. Amen? The ground is level at Calvary. So we have Mary Magdalene here, whom he uh, cast out the, the demons there, or the seven devils. And then Jonah, the wife of Cusa, which a uh, prominent person probably, uh, maybe wealthy. And then uh, th there's, there's others there with him. And, and so if you look uh, at these women, they were freed, uh, this one for, in particular, freed from an evil spirit or evil spirits and infirmities. Verse 2, look at it. Verse 2, I've got to get in the right chapter. It says, And the certain women which had been healed of evil spirit, spirits and infirmities, called many called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. The, the, the Bible doesn't, the older translation doesn't use the word demons. It uses the word devils. You, you kind of look at that sometime and, and study that out if you'd like. So, how did, how did this happen? Well, they saw Jesus, they believed on the Lord Jesus, and they believed his word, which the same thing happens today. If you want to be free from any evil spirit, you need to be saved, first of all. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then get into the word of God 
And James tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from us. <coughs> Correct? Forgive me. <coughs> so we see <coughs> the parable here, the story, <coughs> and the three components of the story. We have the seed, we have the sower, and then we have the soil. Now the main truth here is for us to learn about the soil. The seed is the word of God, that's clear. The sower is anyone that speaks the word and teaches the gospel and tries to present the gospel to other people. And then the four types of soil represents the human heart that the gospel lands in. Now, what Jesus teaches. Well, first of all, he wants us to understand that the problem is not the seed. The problem is not the sower. The problem lies within the soul, the human heart. The problem is that we are sinners. Have you heard that word sin lately? It's still true, isn't it? We are sinners. Saved or lost, we're sinners. And so Jesus taught this for us to understand that there's no problem with the seed. There's no problem with the sower. Anybody can sow. It's easy to sow. As a matter of fact, this sower got some out of the field. It's in the wayside. So it wasn't great talent that's needed for a sower, but the problem is the soul. And these four souls represents the human hearts of every person in the world. So we're going to look at the, the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soul. Look at verse 5. And the sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. I've already said it, but the seed is the word of God. Verse 11 explains that. We won't go back through that again. The Bible is illustrated by many symbols, isn't it? Can you think of a symbol that illustrates the word of God? I think of the word light, a hammer. Somebody help me. I can't think of anything. I've done, I went blank. Okay? So the seed is the great illustration of the Bible here. So you put the seed, the, the Word of God, in a human heart, and it will produce fruit. Isaiah 55, verse 11, My word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it will accomplish what I set it out to accomplish. God's Word will be effective. So the Bible is illustrated here by the seed. It grows in the ground. Now the seed, think about this. Now, you farmers, the seed, what happens? It germinates. It takes a little water for it to germinate, right? It will be dormant till a little water gets there, and the water is illustrative of the Holy Spirit. So the seed of the gospel is sown in our heart. We hear it with our ears. We have ears, and we hear and so then the seed is there in a heart, and then the Holy Spirit adds a little water to it, and then the, the, the seed gets nutrients from the soil. This triggers root growth, and then more water and shoots spring out, right? And, and the growth towards the sun, it grows up. You know, plants don't grow down, they grow up towards the sun, illustrating that Christ is the S-O-N illustrated by the S-U-N, right? 
So then the plant grows out of the ground and it produces fruit some 60, some 40, some 60, some 100 fold. So the seed is the word of God and it needs water, the Holy Spirit, to germinate and to produce fruit. So the sower sows the seed in the soil and then the water, the Holy Spirit added to it, the mixture of it causes that seed to grow. Now, the seed is the word of God. Right? Got that. The power of truth. The power of truth. The power of the gospel. Paul tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You know, I've heard of people being educated, and that really doesn't uh, uh, change their life a lot. It can to some degree. But I've heard thousands of stories about people hearing the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and that revolutionizing their life. The power of the gospel. The power of the spoken word. 1 Corinthians 14.10 says, There are, it may be, catch, follow me, there are, it may be, be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. There's a voice, there's a, a speaker, there's the word going out. You and I as Christians need to proclaim the gospel. We need to proclaim God's truth. Who is speaking to the world today? When the tribulation comes, the Antichrist will be speaking to the world. And farther, farther away from God, the world will go during that time. You and I have the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of salvation, and we need to speak the truth of God's word, the gospel of Christ, to our friends, our neighbors, to the world. Who is talking to the world in which we live in? Listen, it's a fact that before television, before radio, people were sitting in their homes and going to bed at dark, and when the preacher would come through the community with a revival, they'd build a, some type of a, a place for them to get under, or they'd go to their churches, and the people would come out because there wasn't anything else to do. There was no interference. How many voices are there today? There was television, radio, television. And my goodness, now we got a cell phone. And you know, for the good or for the, for the bad, it's here to stay. It's here to say, and, and um, you know, I, I see that the use of cell phones is going to grow because I've noticed people just watching their phone, just tripping over things, you know. We, we're going to have to get into those ways of communicating the gospel. Now, the seed's the Word of God, and we need to sow it. There's many voices, and they need to hear our voice, the voice of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 14, 9, it says this, so likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongues words, easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. I just read those verses because I want to understand. I want us to understand that we need to use our tongue and proclaim the gospel of Christ, and we need to make it simple not complicated, and we don't need to be on the issues of baptism or on the issues of, uh, that, that, that's your favorite issue, 
But we need to be on the, fa on the fact of the gospel of Jesus Christ that God sent his son to save the world from sin and Jesus will make a difference in your life. So the sower is the speaker. The seed's the word of God. The sower is the speaker. Sadly, there are many false speakers, as I just tried to mention. You know, I was uh, I picked up a McDonald's sack. Uh, preacher, that's your problem. You went to McDonald's. I haven't been to McDonald's in years except for coffee. But there was a Christopher Hitchens book on the back side of that sack. I don't know why I didn't write the name of, of the book down. But they're recommending, and it's life advice. Can you imagine getting life advice from an atheist? That's another step in it, in the wrong direction. There's no place on there for the greatest preacher that's alive today to take advice from him. You don't see him on the back of McDonald's. Shame on McDonald's for proclaiming the professed statements of an atheist. But that's a world in which we live. There's many voices. Many sounds going out in the air today. Folks, we've got to get the gospel into the mind and hearts of people. But who are people listening to? It's our job to proclaim the good news of Christ. We're the sower of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. So that's all getting us to the point is the soul is the human heart. The soil is the heart in which the seed is sown. And uh, the seed will produce fruit if it's given a chance. There's no problem with the seed. There's no problem with the proclaimer of the gospel. The problem lies within the heart. Now, the word, it'll produce fruit if planted, if cultivated, if it has the water. So here you are today. You are a Christian, and, and you would be classified in the good ground to some extent. As bad as you may be, you're, you're in the good ground because you believe the Word, you've cultivated, you've taken the water of the Holy Spirit, and it's produced some fruit. So Jesus speaks this parable to teach us about the human heart and the four responses. Now, the first one we see of the soil is the wayside, the wayside soil. This soil, nobody's caring for it. You know, you got a field, and this seed is sown by the sower, and this is outside of the field. It's in the wayside. There's no cultivation. The soul is not prepared. The person just heard it. The human heart just heard the word. There's no care for it. There's enemies of it. Now, notice he says, and, and the, the fowl of the air come and devour the seed because it has no earth. Just so. It's trodden down. Verse 5, the last part of verse 5. There are many enemies of the truth. Have you ever been witnessing to someone in their home and someone comes to the door at the very critical time in your presentation of the gospel? Isn't it amazing how that works? To interfere, to stop that person from hearing with their heart? See, the human heart, the mind, the heart, you can hear with your head, but you've got to hear with your heart. He that hath... Ears to hear, let him hear. And here's the problem. We've got a lot of religious people. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in Santa Claus, too, until they outgrow it, right? The only difference between Santa Claus and Jesus 
You were taught Santa Claus early and you figured that out wasn't real, right? But you've never figured out Jesus isn't real. So, here we are. We've heard, we got a lot of people that are surface. They've heard with their mind. What does it say in James about the devil believing in God? Yet he trembles. See, if you're at that point that you believe in God, but you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, you believe in God, but you don't have any confidence that you belong to him, really. You, listen, it's not the soul's not deep enough yet. It needs to go to your heart. You need to, have, you need to get your heart ears on and hear the gospel to the point of life-changing gospel. See, this seed fell by the wayside. There's no cultivation. There's no, there's, there's no care for it. And the fowl of the air came by and devoured it, according to Mark. You know, who is uh, illustrated by the fair fowl of the air? Well, of course, Satan, isn't he? The devil comes by. Here it is today. Here it is. Today I'm preaching to you that, that Jesus loves you, that God sent his son, Jesus, and he died on the cross for your sins, and he will make you one of his if you will believe on him and trust him as your Savior, and you can be saved today, changed forever today. But you say, well, I'm going to do it some other time. And guess what? The cares of this world are, are some spirit comes along and takes that seed out of your heart and you're the same person you were you heard it you tasted it you thought it was good but you didn't make a decision you're not saved we have a lot of people in our churches that are surface Christians Christians in name only they've never been born of the spirit because the seed has not gotten deep enough in the soil to receive nutrients to receive water. And that's so many. And here it is. Somebody comes and we have a little prayer with them. And, and we say, you're a Christian now. Right? That's no different than selling books. A person makes a commitment to Christ. They know it. If it's real. So this, this one, this person's never saved. They taste it. They experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but they're lost. There's not really in, uh, any intentional concern. They hear, but they do not take it to heart. There's no commitment of the hearer. There's a resistance of truth. This could be a rebellious one. I have people all the time through the ministry years they're rebellious, they're stubborn, they're ornery, they, they live in the world, they want to stay in the world, they don't want any changed life, they just want fixed. They want their problems today fixed. And they come and make some kind of surface commitment to Christ, and then we look around and the foul of the air has already taken the seed away, and they're no different than they were. Let's not tell that person they're going to heaven. Because they're most likely not going to heaven, and they are not if they haven't received the word. Jesus talked about in John 1, 12, He that believeth and receiveth me. There has to be a time to receive. So, this one, the wayside, the rebellious, the no commitment. 
the person controlled by their self-pleasures, in and out of church person, uh, you know, coming to church and never in the preaching uh, person. Faith is not involved. No serious commitment to the gospel. Look at verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The human heart's the problem. This soul represents a person that hears, but they never took it to heart. It really, uh, it never got their attention. It, Jesus never became the attraction of their life. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I may not be a very good Christian, but there's been a time that Jesus was the main thing in my life. Not all the time, because I got the human flesh. Has he ever been real to you? That's the question. So, the, the, there it is. The devil comes and takes the seed out of the heart before the person can really become a Christian. I don't read you from James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving who? Your own selves. You're deceiving your own self. The worst deceived person is the self-deceived person, right? Then verse 23 and 24, he says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto the man beholding his natural face in a glass, and he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Then verse 25, But whosoever looking into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. This man seems to be religious, according to verse 26. He seems to be religious, but there's no change in his life. I'm spending a lot of time here. There must be somebody at this level. You've heard. You know the story, but it's not real to you. Oh, yeah, you believe it. No heart commitment to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are you? Is that you? Now the second one is the rocky soul. The rocky soul. Look at verse 6 in our text. It says, And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. Apparently had a little moisture, a little moisture, but it lacks the moisture to produce fruit. The heart is hard like the rock, the seed finds very little moisture, and immediately they receive the word. The heat produced from the rock, it, 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 it starts to germinate, but it lacks moisture, verse 6, work of the Holy Spirit, and the person is lost. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 6. If you've not, if you've not uh, gotten off track with me today, stay with me. This will be good. For it is impossible, there it is, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God 
and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Let me tell you exactly what that says. You need to hear exactly what it says, right? Because it's not easy to understand on one reading. It says this, first of all, that if you ever get saved and lose it, you could never be saved again. It says that. That would be impossible. Christ died once and for all on the cross, and you need to be saved once and for all. Now, you can fall away from God in your walk with God, but if you lose your salvation, he said that would be impossible. But let me tell you exactly what it's teaching. It's teaching this. Some people are enlightened. They taste the heavenly gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dealing with them. They are partakers of the Holy Ghost in, this, in the fact that they have been convicted of their sin. They've tasted the Word, the Gospel, the Word of God, and the power of the Word come. And then they walk away. Let me tell you something, folks. It's dangerous to say no to God. He said to renew them again to that place is impossible. I'm afraid, as Dr. Billy Graham used to say years ago, three-quarters, and I think he would say it when he was preaching from this text, three-quarters of the people that go to church with us are going to hell. Three-quarters. Boy, that's a bad... Now, I hope that that would include all the churches where they never hear the gospel, where I don't know very many of those would be saved, so that might give us a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Lord, help us, Jesus. Have we got a lot of head knowledge? Or is it heart knowledge? That's the real question, isn't it? Verse 6, the real problem. It says, Some fell upon the rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Verse 13. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. These people, and by the way, I, I could take you to, to John 6, but I won't take the time because it's going to be short anyway. John 6 says that many quit, the, quit following him after they believed for a while, but it also includes there that he never committed himself to them because he knew their hearts. A lot of people make professions, but they have no possessions. Of salvation. See, preacher, what's the problem in the church? What's the problem in the churches today? I'd say there's a lot of people that lack regeneration. Mark says they fall away because there's no root. They look like they believe, but they are not saved when Luke when Mark tells the story. Mark four seventeen. Now, let's get to the third group because we're running short. Some fell among thorns. Look at verse 7. He says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Now, we already covered two. Both of those never been saved, right? Right? Out, outside, they've never been saved. On the rock there, they, they, it, it never produces fruit. They've never been saved. 
Now we've got those that fall among thorns. Now this one looks to be saved. So 50% of the parable of the four stalls, 50% of them are saved in the parable. I think that would be closer to the truth than Dr. Graham's three quarters of the church. You know why? He said that when he got older and he'd been dealing with Christians all of his life. And that'll make you have a bad attitude. That's supposed to be funny. Although there's a bit of truth to it. Now, here it is. They receive the truth, but the weeds overcome. They got one eye on God and one eye on the world. The seed, the word, is there, but it's hindered. Verse 7, verse 14. Notice verse, verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, uh, heard go forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and pleasure of this life and bring forth, bring no fruit to perfection. See, this one's saved, but the weeds have grown up and overcome the seed of the Word of God and has hindered it. You notice where the, green, the tree grows, the grass under it doesn't grow as well as out there in the open pasture because it's shaded. And here the Word of God, uh, the truth of the seed of the gospel is overshadowed by the cares of the world, the pleasures of life, the things that are going on. And folks, we got more going on today than we've ever had before. And it hinders the Word of God. Now, it didn't say they were lost. It says they produce no fruit, but could that be where you are? Is that you? Do you live there where you have truly been saved, but the gospel is not producing much in your life because you haven't cultivated it? See, you can cultivate, you can cut some of them weeds out of your life, and we are commanded to love not the world, neither the things of the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not him. Some of us need to get the, the hoe out and, and chop some weeds out of our heart. Take the sword of the Spirit and cut down some big thorns that are the cares of this world that are hindering us from being a Christian. Jesus knows us and he knows who we are he knows if we're real and he knows if we're not real and in our heart are we represented by that wayside soul we need to come to Christ if we hear the truth of the gospel today and have any inkling to say I want to be saved come today and be saved if you are on that rock man come today if you're in the thorns, you're a Christian. You have a command from Scripture to cultivate that soul of your heart that that seed may produce fruit. See, here's the difference between the last two soils and the first two soils. That third soil can be good ground. But the weeds are taking all the moisture out of the ground so that the seed can't grow and produce fruit. And then the last one, as we close with this, he says in verse 8, And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit some hundredfold. And when he, said, uh, when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath an ear, let him hear. We need to hear with our inner ear. And then verse 
15, he says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, bringeth forth fruit with patience. If we're not saved today, today is the day to be saved. Now is the accepted time. Don't say no to the Spirit of God. If you are saved, there's a remedy to the seed not producing fruit in your life. It's getting the, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and start obeying it. Cut the weeds out so that the good seed can get the moisture that's there in the ground. And all, all of us could be good ground. If we have a heart that would be honest. A heart that would be honest. You know what the key to being saved is? The word repentance. Repentance is the key to being saved. What is repentance? Is it feeling bad about what we're doing? That's a good place to start. But that's not enough. There has to be a turning from it to God. That's true repentance. And he said... That seed in that good ground will come forth and it will produce fruit. Your heart may not be a good heart. You may have an evil heart like all of us do. But we need to get the bottom plow of repentance and let it tear that soil up. And we need to let the Word of God cut those weeds out. So that God's word can produce fruit in our life. Okay. So you heard the story of the four souls. That's our hearts. Are you on your way to heaven? The gospel is this, that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He went to the cross because we're separated from God because we're born sinners because Adam sinned in the garden and we inherited that sin nature and were separated from God because of sin and the Son of God came and died on the cross at Calvary to bridge a path through his cross that we could return to God, that we could come to God and have everlasting life. I want us to bow our heads as our musicians come and I want to give an opportunity of response. And Here's the invitation today. You're here today and you're a Christian but the weeds have just grown and it's choking the word of God that it's not producing fruit. Or maybe as we stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Or maybe you're that person, you've heard it with your head, but there's never been a heart commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you come today to this altar and pray? Would you come today and make a commitment to Christ? Whatever decision you need to make today, we invite you to make that decision. God is speaking to you. I've delivered the message. Now it's between you and God. What will you do? Will you say yes? I want Jesus as my Savior. I want to be saved today. I'm willing to turn from my sin. If you remember the woman that Jesus met at the well, he didn't want to save her and let her continue in the life that she was living. He gave her an opportunity to turn. And she did. She got saved and showed the whole community 
how to find Christ in your life. Is that, would you do that? Is it in your head but not in your heart? Why don't you come? Are the weeds and cares of this world choking the word out of your life? We'll give you an opportunity to come and make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come and do that today as we sing. Let's all sing it out.